Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. I don't know whether to laugh or cry about it, but there is a subject I have done three episodes on so far in the past almost three years we've been doing business-wise, and I'm usually a little disappointed at the number of downloads they get because this is a very, very important subject for many reasons and influences your life enormously. In fact, we are all the effect of its abuse, and we all complain bitterly about it when it's abused. But I guess not many of us like to talk about it or hear about it. One of those things. Kind of take it for granted that we have a right to it, and we're sort of indignant when it is denied us. But on the other hand, how many of us are really willing to understand it, own it, take responsibility for it, and even fight for it? A few too few, I think we can observe, since abuses are rampant these days. And if you don't have and maintain it in your company, brother and sister, you are sunk, let me tell you. So you need to know it as thoroughly as you know how to sell, how to market, how to hire, how to train, all those things you know you need to know to survive in business. You need to know this one just as well. And furthermore, you need to know how to apply and stick up for it outside your business as well as in or it can end up destroying it just as thoroughly as when you fail to apply it in your business. I'm talking about the subject of justice. Oh, yawn. Here we go. He's going to talk about justice again. Man, can't can't he give it a rest? Why can't he talk about something interesting like finance or marketing or how to find good people or something? Do we have to listen to this again? Yes, you do. Listen. No one likes justice until they experience injustice. No, if people become the effect of the things they don't understand, then this is something you better understand well if you don't want to get clobbered by injustice. Have you ever tried to control a machine you don't understand? You should see me fight with my printer sometimes. I can't get it to do a darn thing, and then my assistant comes along and talks nicely to it, opens and closes a couple of drawers or something, and the bloody thing starts working again darndest thing I've ever seen. You need to understand justice or you will become the effect of injustice. It's that simple. Furthermore, if you don't understand it and you're not willing to apply it and fight for it in the society around you, don't come crying to me if the bad guys come knocking on your door somehow, someday. Some of you have already had that experience. I want you to remember the famous words of Martin Niemöller on the price of indifference during the Nazi regime. Many of you have heard this before. I quote Martin Niemöller. He said, First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. That's Martin Niemöller sometime after the Second World War. As we covered in the episode 27 of Volume 3, released on the 4th of July of this year, Mr. Hubbard made specific reference to this country when he pointed out, I quote from Mr. Hubbard here, we use the quote on the 4th of July, I'm using it again here, quote, In America, 
We have all the laws for freedom, and we don't have freedom. And in Europe, they don't have any of the laws for freedom, and they have freedom. You get this? L. Ron Hubbard. Yes, yes, of course we have freedom. Of course we have justice. It's right there in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Why should I be concerned about justice? That's exactly why you should be concerned about justice. You better be concerned about justice, or you will lose your freedom to injustice, and we lose them little by little, all the time. Anyway, I'm approaching this on a very broad basis, but believe me, it has direct application in your business, no matter how small. It probably becomes more important as you grow and expand, but it affects all of you at whatever size, within your company and without. I want to give you one more relevant quote from Mr. L. Ron Hubbard before I dig into today's featured article. I have one I want to go over with you specifically, but this is a very important. Uh, he uses a word here in turbulence, which he basically defines as commotion and upset. That's Mr. Hubbard's definition, commotion and upset. That's what in turbulence means. So he says this from uh, 27, an article of 27 March 1965. I quote, The turbulence of the society around us is fantastic. There is no just civil law left, really. It is that lawless and disorderly condition in the society about us which makes it hard for us to work. He goes on to say, Where we fail to apply our own administration, technology, and justice procedures to the society around us, and then he makes a point, let alone within our own group, we will fail, end quote. So you may not be thinking with applying sales technology or know-how within and outside of your group. You may not be thinking with applying marketing know-how. As an aside, you, you can apply these subjects in life outside your business, but you may not be thinking with that. But you better be thinking with and apply the knowledge you accumulate from Mr. Hubbard on justice, because that one has a bad habit of coming around and biting you from behind. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get into this article. It's dated 7 December 1969, and it is entitled Ethics, the Design of. Now, quite a few of you have probably read this article, and there may be a few terms you could have the wrong definition for, so I want to clear them up, starting with the word design. So you might think of the definition for design as... This is from Mr. Oxford. A plan or drawing produced to show the look and function or workings of a building, garment, or other object before it is built or made. That's one definition. It's a pretty common definition. The example they give here is uh, he has just unveiled his design for the new museum. Or here's the other common definition. An arrangement of lines or shapes created to form a pattern or decoration. And the example here is pottery with a lovely blue and white design. And so you say to yourself, Here's a plan or design for the subject of ethics? Wait a second, huh? Like, what's the plan or drawing of the subject of ethics? I don't quite get it. Well, there's another definition, and it's uh, not in every dictionary, but you need to know this. And that is, quote, purpose, planning, or intention that exists or is thought to exist behind an action, fact, or material object. Then the example they give is the appearance of, of design in the universe. So this one makes a little more sense. What is the purpose of ethics? What is its design? What is its intention? How does the activities of ethics line up with those purposes? In other words, what is the design of ethics? 
That's what this article is about. Ethics, of course, is defined by Mr. Hubbard, and I think we covered this in the last episode, if I'm not mistaken. Quote, ethics has to do with a code of agreement amongst people that they will conduct themselves in a fashion which will obtain to the optimum solution of their problems. And this is from a lecture, uh, August of 1950, August the 30th of 1950. That's a very handy definition of ethics. So optimum solution, like, is it the optimum solution for your family to go out and um, secretly with an old girlfriend, get drunk and end up sleeping with her? How is that going to solve the optimum solution for your kids, for your wife, for the happiness of your family, your productivity at work, etc.? One might consider that an unethical action because it doesn't aspire to the optimum solution. There's going to be a lot of destruction in that action. You know, should I steal from my employer? Let me see. What are the plus and minuses? Hmm. A lot of minuses. I could go to jail. I could really, I'll obviously lose my job. I'll sooner or later get caught. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. That would not be ethical. The ethical thing to do would be to work hard and learn my job well. Is it ethical not to work? Is it ethical to pretend to work? If you use this definition, it's very easy to define what is ethical and what's not ethical. But he says, uh, but the term is also used to describe the use of ethics as a technology or know-how. And that's one of the interesting things about Mr. Hubbard is that he researched the subject thoroughly. There are actual techniques and procedures you can follow to raise ethic level in oneself and in one's group and in your fellow man. Ethics is also used to describe the application of that technology to improve ethics. So we call that ethics too. So the term is also used to describe the use of ethics as a technology or know-how applied to bring about more ethical behavior. Let's just leave it at that. So now let's work with this fascinating, fascinating article from Mr. Hubbard. In here, he cites a fabulous and colorful example of the use of ethics from his own life, which I expect you'll probably get a kick out of. So here we go. The title is Ethics, the Design of, and it's dated 7 December 1969. So he says here, it is very easy for a staff member and even an ethics officer, that's be the person who's responsible for applying ethics, or justice for that matter. Hey, we should probably define the word justice since uh, that's the subject we're tackling today. I guess I'm assuming that we we can all figure that one out. But uh, just as a precaution here, here's Mr. Hubbard's definition of justice. It is the action of the group against the individual when he has failed to get his own ethics in. That's dated 15 November 1972. That's a very handy, short, but nonetheless very precise definition of justice. Justice is the actions that the group takes against an individual if they fail to start solving their problems ethically and they start going and doing unethical means to solve their problems. So they're not sorting out on that. We start to apply justice, right? And as long as it's fair and equitable and as uh, following its purposes, then it's, it's all good. Okay, back to this article. He says, it is very easy for a staff member and even an ethics officer to completely misunderstand ethics and its functions. So the ethics officer is a person who is responsible in any organization for helping people resolve their difficulties with ethics as needed or applying justice as needed. So he says, um, in the absence of true ethics, no one can live with others 
and stats go down inevitably. So a justice function must exist to protect producers and decent people. So this is something that maybe we don't like to talk about. Maybe it's not something that we like to confront too easily. But the fact of the matter is not everyone is operating ethically all the time. And if a person is operating unethically and won't straighten up and put their own ethics in, then one must take action with justice. Otherwise, they're going to sink the whole ship. In fact, a ship is a good analogy of this because when you're at sea and there's no land anywhere and there's, you know, the bottom of the ocean is a mile down or whatever it is and uh, people aren't performing their duties, uh, they're being slack on the job, they're being unethical, they're smoking pot when they should be uh, navigating the ship, you hit an iceberg, you uh, find yourself in a storm and unprepared and, you know, next thing you know, you lose a lot of lives that way. So. Ethics is important. Justice is important because if you don't have those things, then you can have those whose statistics are down. In other words, the slack or the person who's not performing their duties starts to bring down the whole show. And the producers and decent people go down with the ship just like the unethical ones do. So he says, in the absence of true ethics, and he's talking about true ethics, in the absence of true ethics, no one can live with others and stats go down inevitably. So a justice function must exist to protect producers and decent people. Wouldn't that be nice if we had justice and true ethics in our modern society? Look at how criminal it's become. You know, the whole activity of government just taking and distributing to people who don't work, uh, that alone has a tremendous penalizing effect on productive people. I'm not trying to talk politically. I'm talking economically. You just cannot keep taking from the producers and giving to the non-producers without a price being paid. If you, if you think you can, go to Argentina. 48% of the population is working, trying to support the majority of the population. And that majority of the population, by the way, is making a stink right now because their handouts are getting reduced. Like, where's my handout? And we're going into that kind of a situation right now in this country, in America. And anywhere you go down that road where you're rewarding a down statistic, somebody who's not producing, instead of getting them to have a more optimum ethical life that's solving more problems uh, in their lives than it's creating, taking, taking a very broad view, taking a personal view, taking a family view, taking a societal view, group view, it pays to be productive and to do and to create worthwhile things and contribute to society. That's just common sense. That's ethical behavior. So he says, again, I'll just re reiterate this particular sentence. In the absence of true ethics, no one can live with others and stats go down inevitably. So a justice function must exist to protect producers and decent people. And he gives you this beautiful example. Listen to this. To give you an example, when a little boy this life He's talking about himself. When a little boy this life, the neighborhood a block around and the road from home to school were unusable. A bully about five years older than I named Leon Brown exerted a very bad influence over other children. With extortion by violence and blackmail and with corruption, he made the area very dangerous. Sounds like modern America. The road to school was blocked by the five O'Connell kids ranging from 7 to 15, who stopped and beat up any smaller child. One couldn't go to school safely, 
and was hounded by the truant officer, a hulking brute, complete with star, if one didn't go to school. This was quite some time ago. They had truant officers then. Quote from Mr. Hubbard, When I was about six, I got very tired of a bloody nose and spankings because my clothes were torn and avidly learned lumberjack fighting, a crude form of judo, from my grandfather. With this quote-unquote superior tech, tech being short for technology, technology being the word used to describe knowledge that can be used or applied, remember that, use it commonly in the Hubbard management system, with this superior tech under my belt, I searched out and found alone the youngest O'Connell kid, a year older than I, and pulverized him. Then I found alone and took on the next in size and pulverized him. After that, the O'Connell kids, all five, fled each time I showed up, and the road to school was open, and I convoyed other little kids so it was safe. Then one day, I got up on a nine-foot-high board fence and waited until a 12-year-old bully passed by and leapt off on him, boots and all. And after the dust settled, that neighborhood was safe for every kid in it. So, I learned about justice. Kids would come from blocks away to get help in their neighborhood. Finally, for a mile around, it was a safe environment for kids. From this I learned two lessons. This is still Mr. Hubbard's words. From this I learned two lessons. One, strength is nothing without skill and tech, and reversely, without skill and tech, the strength of brutes is a matter of contempt. Two, strength has two sides, one for good and one for evil. It is the intention that makes the difference. On further living, I found that only those who sought only peace were ever butchered. The thousands of years of Jewish passivity earn them nothing but slaughter. So things do not run right because one is holy or good. Things run right because one makes them right. Justice is a necessary action to any successful society. Without it, the brute attacks the weak, the decent, and the productive. And I'm going to continue. These are all Mr. Hubbard's words. He says, there are people who suppress. They are few. This is, by the way, a very interesting datum that can be quite revelatory to people, that there actually are people who suppress, whose idea of survival is a diminishment of yours. I know that sounds crazy. That's because they're crazy, okay? Don't try to understand it. Why try to understand the crazy? The crazy are crazy. They're not understandable. And there are people who literally think that their own survival is only dependent upon the destruction of everybody else's. You and I, we look at our fellows and say, I'd like to keep surviving better. And I think maybe I can survive better if I help you survive better and you can help me survive better. We can all survive better together. That's not the way a suppressive person thinks. They have an intention and a design to suppress. Just be aware of that. Mr. Robert gets into some examples here, which are undeniable examples if you think such couldn't possibly be. Look at some of the current headlines. Look at some of the murders, the the gruesome murders that go on and ask yourself, is this the act of a sane person? Is this an act of a person who wants to somehow elevate his fellows? Of course not. You, being a social person, dear listener, you probably think that most people think like you do. They're kind of social. They're trying to help, you know, and it's difficult to understand. But do understand that there is a small percentage 
that do think that survival is achieved through suppression. So he goes on to say this, there are people who suppress, they are few. They often rise up to being in charge and then all things decay. They are essentially psychopathic personalities. Such want position in order to kill, such as Genghis Khan, Hitler, psychiatrists, psychopathic criminals, want power only to destroy. Covertly or overtly, they pay only with death. They arrived where they arrived in charge of things. I think you should listen to this one really carefully. He says, they arrived where they arrived in charge of things because nobody, when they were on their way up, said, no, they are monuments to the cowards, the reasonable people who didn't put period to them while they were still only small bullies and still vulnerable. So, what a great example. He gives you some further illustration of that. Why do we have these psychopaths? Obviously crazy. And now they're in charge of whole countries. I'm not going to get political, so I'm not going to name countries. I'm not going to name leaders. You can do the naming for yourself. You can also ask yourself, all these shootings, recent revelations, those shooters were in the hands of psychiatrists before they started shooting people, before they started murdering strangers, children, indiscriminately. So ask yourself, are there psychopaths really? Are there people who really think that their route to survival is through the slaughter of others? Darn right there is. And when you observe one, and you can only observe one if your confront is good, is your, your awareness is good, you don't have a shred of complacency, you're alert, you're paying attention. Whoa, wait a second. That's kind of evil. That's kind of suppressive. Hey, wait a minute. Statistics are down in this area. Someone's creating that. Let's look into it. Let's use ethics technology. Let's use justice if we need to. Clean this up so that everything's moving forward like a smooth flowing river. That's the design of ethics. That's what you're there for. That's what, when you're being the ethics presence, and believe me, if the founder of the company or organization isn't willing to use ethics, you're bloody lucky if you can find someone who will for you. It's a hallmark of great leaders. They generally have a pretty good confront and awareness of the subject, and uh, they utilize justice as best they can. Sometimes it's a bit brutal, but if it's used skillfully, it generally will bring order eventually. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with public hangings, but they have been known to make people straighten up. Hopefully, they're hanging the right people. But uh, it's the design of ethics. It's the intention that makes the difference. He says, remind you of this law. Pardon me, this lesson, he said, number two, strength has two sides, one for good and one for evil. It is the intention that makes a difference. You know, what was the intention of that public hanging? To bring about more optimal solutions to the community because it was getting out of hand. So that was not necessarily the act of a suppressive. How about somebody who just brutally starts hanging people and murdering people, into, you know, the, particularly the producers, those who are trying to make a difference, those who are trying to institute change? Same action but it's the intention that makes the difference. So your ethics actions should be not there to protect yourself, to further your own uh, perhaps somewhat selfish goals. And I'm not saying you do or you don't. I'm just saying that's not the design of ethics. It's to bring about ethical behavior, optimum solutions for the whole company, for the whole community. That's what it's there for. He goes on to say this, ethics has to get there before tech can occur. We went over this, I think, in the last episode. 
Mr. Hubbard says here, ethics has to get there before tech can occur. So when it doesn't exist or goes out, then tech doesn't occur and suppression sets in and death follows. It's a great example going on in this country right now where producers are being penalized and uh, the low producer or non-producer is being rewarded. So tech is starting to drop out. Know how about how to do a good job of something or how to repair something correctly or how to build something correctly. Inevitably, that technology starts to disappear. Why? Because ethics is out. Nobody really cares. I'll put something together. Looks okay. Falls apart within three years. Who cares? Everybody's doing it. Why wouldn't I do it? Ethics is out. Technology inevitably follows. And so you start to see a lower productivity. Okay, now things are really getting grim. You know, we, have, we don't have bread to eat and there's not enough food for everybody. So, okay, now inevitably suppression sets in. Okay, you know, we're going to starve all these people. We're going to, you know, we're going to just leave them be or we're going to destroy them. We're going to develop a means to destroy them. Why? Because we have no technology. We don't really know what we're doing. We don't really know how to roll. Uh, we don't really know how to govern a country. We don't really know how to make fields and agriculture more productive. All that technologies have been lost because the ethics been lost way back there. So now we solve it with a dictatorship. Now everybody's happy because everybody at least gets something to eat, except for the guys we don't like, of course, because we rule everything with an iron fist. And that's just a, we call that a dwindling spiral. Mr. Hubbard calls that a dwindling spiral that inevitably will fail sooner or later. Sometimes it takes a long time, though, and it's very uncomfortable, those kinds of periods witness the dark ages, witness the ages that could be coming. If we don't pull together, come on, guys, I don't want to back up the hearse every minute, but you probably hear in these episodes, you know, a bid for, hey, look, start with your own business, put ethics in, put justice in, build a productive company that sets a a grand example for others and uh, shows the potential of a group that is run sanely and ethically and with justice in, and then tackle society. How do we bring about a more just society, a more ethical society? If you don't, who will? Who who are we leaving this up to? Finally, he says this last line here, and I'll leave you with this. So, if someone doesn't hold the line, all become victims of oppression. So, there you go. Let's hold the line. Starting with our own selves, I guess, and starting with our own family by family business by business, group by group, community by community. We can certainly learn enough about ethics and justice that we can use it as it was intended, as it is intended to create optimum survival for one and all. But then let's find each other and associate and connect up one with another. That's one of the reasons we have WISE. So the great producers can find each other and unite and network and push power to each other and eventually to their communities and build a better world, group by group, business by business. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope we get a lot more downloads on this one. <laughs> it's funny. Put the word justice in the, uh, in the, in the episode and yeah, we still get a lot of downloads. Don't, don't, don't mistake be on that but i'd love you all to hear this and pass it around to your friends let's start creating a just society okay an ethical one a survival one all right well thank you very much for listening hope you got a lot out of this episode please leave us a comment or a like if you liked it write us at info at and thank you very much for listening <laughs>